All right, we are live on Facebook. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a really, really exciting episode. This was just going to be a podcast, but we thought we would go live as well because we have an exceptional guest today, not just our beautiful blue-eyed host over here, Mr. Louis Matui, but we've got Mr. Peter Lakovich all the way. Are you in Perth at the moment, mate? I am, mate. I'm in Perth, sunshine in Perth. All the way from Perth. Peter is a sales genius run multiple companies, very successful companies, but he's also a family man. He's also a very normal guy. He's also a great friend of mine. And so today we're just going to be really sharing. Um, today we're just going to be really sharing about how Pete is navigating himself through his family, his businesses, through COVID. But we're also going to be talking about the future of the economy and how that looks for those that are, you know, that are really sort of that are, that, are, that, are, that are in business right now, but not just in business, because this applies to all of us, but definitely to those that are in business and learning from, from some people, Louis and myself, and obviously Pete, who are in business, and our perspectives on the, on the economy, you know, and also how it is that we're going to be navigating this. So, uh, so we can always be learn something, but also maybe get some tips and tricks that we can apply into our own lives and in, into our business. So, Petey, I'm going to hand it over to you, mate. Could you please just give us an intro on, uh, on, on where you've been, mate, how you got here today, and a bit about yourself and your career and, uh, and your accomplishments and, and a few challenges, and, and take it away. Sure, buddy. Love to. Thanks for, thanks for having me here. Looking forward to uh, spending the next amount of time uh, chewing the fat and talking through a couple of stories. Um, and I, I've got a... It's funny, you know, Steve Jobs says you can't, can never connect the dots going forward. And when you look back at your life, you look at what you've done and where you've, where you've come from and, and how you got to where you are today. And it's funny how there's always been a clear path once you look back from the decisions that you've made that have made a clear path. Um, you know, I don't have the hard luck story. You know, I was down and destitute and I found this formula and, you know, you hear that a lot on, on social media. Um, we, you know, European family. So dad came over on a boat in his mid-20s. Mum was born in Germany um, during the war. Uh, when that stopped, they came to Australia when she was two. Um, so kind of immigrant-type family. Yep. Um, and I think all that mum and dad knew is how to work hard to get through. You know, dad used to drive cement trucks during the day and taxis at night. And mum worked as a receptionist in accountancy practice. And uh, when I was uh, nine, they bought um, a deli. Typical one thing to do, right? Go by the corner deli. And um, it was cool. So we grew up in the business. We grew up in the deli. Like, you know, after school, we'd go there. Um, after soccer training, we'd go there. On weekends, we'd spend time there. Like the deli was the second home. It was the deli. Um, and that's where we lived. So I pretty much learned, you know, this is this is going back into the you know, late 70s. Um, you know, the, the cash register was like a typewriter. You know, you press a button and the little numbers pop up. Nothing was electronic. And dad taught me how to give count back change. So that's kind of where I learned a lot of my maths from because we didn't have the cash register. Nowadays, if someone gives you 20 bucks, unless the till tells you how much change to give back, the people at the checkout don't know. So we used to have to count back change. So no one would think, oh, I gave your son a 20 and he ripped me off because you'd have a 19-year-old sitting on two crates, milk crates, trying to you know, count back change. Um, then dad came home and he, he said, we bought the, the fish and chip shop next door. And that was like Christmas, right? Because back in the 70s, that would be like a McDonald's today is only a fish and chip shop back then. So um, that got really busy really quickly. 
And mum had to go over next door to the fish and chip shop and help dad. So you had my brother who was 11, I was nine running the deli while mum and dad were running the fish and chip shop next door. And then they ran out of potatoes because you didn't buy frozen chips back then. You'd buy potatoes, wash them, put them in a, put them on these, these blades, hold the handle. My brother used to jump up with all his body weight and push it down to make the chips. So you then you have a nine-year-old running the deli, a 11-year-old doing physical labour at the back, cutting potatoes, turned to chips, and mum and dad running the fish and chip shop. So it was it was just all learning on site. And I learned a lot from you know upselling and cross-selling and how to communicate and talk to talk to customers through there. And they had two and three and four delis and coffee lounges. And so that was kind of my upbringing. And I finally got a job when I was 15 at the local deli because I wanted to get paid for myself. Because when you work for a European family, there's no such thing as pocket money. You know, I put a roof on your head. I put food on the table. I put clothes on your back. You know, you will work. You know, today it's called child labor. Back then it's called love. Um, so it's, I kind of grew up in that business environment. And then I... I went to uni because no, through no passion, it was just, I think now that I'm a parent, all your parents want for you is what they never had. And dad never had an education. So all he wanted was his kids to have an education. So I went to year 12, failed year 12, uh, repeated year 12, failed year 12. Uh, when I say failed, I didn't get a score good enough to get into uni. And the second time I did that, I, I went back and I, and um, actually, I don't even know if mum and dad know this yet. I haven't formally sat down and had a chat with them about this. But um, I, I, I got a, the notice saying I didn't get into my degree. So I rang the university, booked an appointment with the dean, went back and, and I sold myself into uni. Um, I, I got him to give me a six-month probation. As long as I get certain scores, he'd get me into the second semester, then into the second year. So that was kind of my first big sales gig was selling myself into university. Um, so that was a proud moment for my dad because I was the first Lakovich ever to get into a university. Um, not so much proud two years later when I was the first Lakovich to drop out of university. But yeah, then I got a job in a health club um, in a fitness centre after I dropped out and I just worked in sales. And then two and a half weeks later, the sales manager left and they said, who's number one in sales? It was Pete. So I got promoted to sales manager. And then uh, it was a chain of four health clubs at that stage. And um, one of the managers at the other health club left and they said, okay, which health club is the most successful? Claremont, who's the sales manager? Pete, you're now the manager of North Beach. So within four and a half weeks, I was going from salesperson to sales manager, managing my first business. I was 20, I had no idea what I was doing. All I knew if I spoke to people, they gave me money. I was good at this selling stuff. Um, so then I had to had a team I had to worry about. So I had to, I had to get out of my head, take, turn on my IC, intellectual content, intellectual property. And I started systemizing what I was doing and started training my guys to be really good at what they were doing. And then we, um, you know, I became an area manager um, and then they wanted to give me a piece of business. We ended up you know, growing to a chain of 15 health clubs, you know, managing 60 plus salespeople. And um, so that was my induction into business. It was running business, making mistakes, um, you know, doing bad marketing, being a bad leader, um, just not knowing how to scale, to realising and learning how to scale, learning how to do marketing, learning how to do customer service, understanding finance. It was really doing it practically that kind of built my business acumen. Um, and then in 1998, I left that. I had a bit of disagreement with the, the owners. They were, uh, you know, double, double debiting, just doing some dodgy stuff that just wasn't great. So I left, moved to Melbourne, started a consultancy business, met a guy who became my business partner, um, we started consulting for the fitness industry, had to teach them how to do marketing, management, sales, um, and growing that up. That turned to me doing a lot of corporate stuff in about 2000. Then I started working with companies like Westpac and Mazda and ING and IBM and companies to get me in to help recreate and build their sales processes. 
So we, we launched the National Sales Academy in 2005. It was one of Australia's first National Sales Academy to learn how to sell. Um, and that was, that was great. That was really successful. Um, sales is my passion. It's what I love. I, I love understanding the human brain and learning how to give people information the way their brain needs it so they can make a good decision. Um, so I moved to Sydney, met my uh, now wife, uh, girlfriend in 98. Two years later, we started dating in 2000. Uh, so we've been together now for, for, for quite a few years, since you know, 2000, 20 year anniversary we've been together now. Um, and I met a guy called uh, Jack DeLosa in 2005. He came and worked for me at the National Sales Academy um, when he was like 18, 19. He then went off after about a year of that and started building his own businesses very successfully. We kept in contact. Um, and then, you know, he was at my house at Christmas Eve 2012 saying, got this thing called the Entourage. We've got 30 odd members. What do you think we should do with it? And I was kind of like, this is what I believe. And it was very aligned with his. And he said, well, come on board and let's kind of, let's, let's build this baby. So I come on board as a shareholder and early stage CEO. And we started growing the Entourage, which is Australia's, you know, largest entrepreneurial education institution for entrepreneurs. We help six-figure business get seven and seven-figure business owners get to eight. So that's been the journey for, you know, since 2010, Jack started that. I come on board two years later, so the last seven or eight years. It's, it's been fun helping six- and seven-figure business owners. I love that more than the corporate stuff, right? Because when I, when I tell a six- and seven-figure business owner what to do, they do it because it's their blood, it's their livelihood, it's their mortgage, it's their family on the line not a corporate. So that's kind of my passion is helping, you know, my biggest fear is that as a business owner becomes the world's best kept secret because they don't know how to sell themselves. Mm. Um, they haven't got the money to throw at it. So they've got to throw their smarts at it instead. So that's, that's been the journey there. And then about 15 months ago, um, the family packed up Sydney. We moved back to Perth, kind of did, did a bit of a boomerang. Um, didn't have a big family imprint. I've got a son, Braxton, who's six. Um, a lot of Annette's family, she's the youngest of five and a lot of her nieces and nephews are, you know, teenagers or in their twenties, they've grown up. We don't have a big family imprint, um, in Sydney and I've got a couple of brothers here and I've got, you know, two kids under 10. The other one's got two kids under 10. So we decided to move them, move back here. I now do entourage one day a week and, uh, we launched the, the sales Institute going back, I guess, to the roots of helping people build their own scalable sales system and how to apply that so they can increase their conversions, have a business that's not dependent on the business owner doing the sales or one or two key salespeople, um, it's having a structure and creating the IP so your business can have success during sales. So that's what we're spending most of our time now is really helping people grow their cash flow and their revenue so they can invest back in their business. Um, it's been great. We work at home. Um, you know, I coach my son's soccer team. I coach his basketball team. That's I coach his surf club. Um, you know, we, we can, I can do this stuff, spend more time doing the lifestyle stuff as to why you work. Um, and that's been, yeah, it's been a hoot, man. It's been really, really good fun. So Pete, up until now, the journey's been amazing and I've heard it a few times and it's very impressive. That's why I keep connecting with you is because I'm inspired by what you've achieved, but I also know how good you are at what you do. Mate, the, the economy and the, well, the climate's changed. Mm. Um, things have obviously overnight in our space, you know, being the fitness space, we got shut down overnight and then businesses got it sort of got rolled out from there. Mate, what do you think is, what do you think business owners should be sort of looking at or assessing or doing in this current climate being COVID? And then we can talk about, you know, the flow on effect in terms of recession or depression, whatever we want to call it. Um, what do you think business owners should be focusing on and doing right now to, uh, to, to not just take advantage, yes, take advantage, 
but also, you know, get through, stay optimistic, stay alive, survive, whatever it is you want to call it, and then set themselves up for success on the back end of that. Yeah, it's, it's you know, it's an interesting landscape. Um, you know, we've been through, um, you know, commercial hits. The world, you know, you know we've had the, you know, financial crisis and, um, you know, the recession we had to have. We've gone through health crises before, but they've usually been isolated in pockets, right? It's either been this country or this continent, um, or if it's a, you know, a tornado in America, it's hit a certain region. Um, so the world's constantly being challenged, you know, outside of the big, you know, world wars that we've had, it's probably the best, biggest global challenge we've had um, that's been health-based, that's had an economic impact. So everyone's almost on the same playing field, which is a new, unique environment to be. So I, I think the first thing everyone needs to do is just get their headspace right first. Um, you know, it's the ones that have had the clarity of headspace, the ones that have reacted the quickest and adapted the quickest and therefore are so far ahead of the curve. Think of it this way, right? If you're in a, a cycling event, you know, I used to love watching the Tour de France, um, especially when we had, you know, Cadell Evans and the, and the Aussies in it. And I always looked at, you know, I love strategy. You know, I, I was a chess nerd at, at school, you know, in the chess club, you know, the nerdy stuff. Um, I ended up, you know, I love golf because a lot of strategy. I played gridiron American football. It's literally full contact chess. You know, I played the quarterback because I love the strategy. I, I played poker because I love the strategy. Anything with strategy I love. I think it's why I love business. And you think about it, if, if you can sprint in the hill, right, and you can get a gap in the hill, it means you get to the downhill quicker. So you can extend your gap a lot faster. So if you're willing to work harder when you're going uphill and you can spread that gap to 20 seconds, you're 20 seconds of more downhill, so which you can spread that lead to 60 seconds now. So when you come over the hill, you're going to be so far ahead of everybody else. So rather than, you know, we need to acknowledge what's happened, but we can't go into poor me stage right now. We can't buy into the meter moguling. We can't buy into, you know, you can't change what's happened. Physically, you can't do that. Now, we can have physical isolation. We can protect ourselves and our families as much as we can. So I think getting a headspace right around what is the landscape, where are we, accepting it's the world we live in, everyone's in that space right now. So then it's what's the next best step, right? And that's the key thing. What is the best next step? And every time you get asked, yourself, what is my best next step? What is the best next step for my work environment at home? What's the best next step for my health? What's the best next step for my, my family uh, communication? What's the best next step for my family interaction? What's the best next step, the best ne next step I need to take with my current clients right now and solidify those? Then what's the best next step in what's going on in the world right now? And how is my market change? You know, if you look at, you've got a product, right? Or, or service, and whether you're a service, you've got to turn that into a product, otherwise you can't scale it. So I'll use the word product from now on. But if you've got a product, your product is serving a message in a story that's going in your customer's head, right? If that message in your customer's head has changed, so your product must change. And the problem is people are going to market with what they've always done, but the, the, the consumer sentiment is different. So it's understanding what your consumer sentiment right now and a good friend of mine, Tucky Moore, said it beautifully. He's like, we, we, we've been selling the yacht, right? Right now, your customer just wants the life raft. So we've got, what's your life raft? What's going to get in that capacity? So it's batten down the hatches, protect what you have right now. To do that, you've got to understand your consumer's headspace. Where are they at? What do you need to do to pivot accordingly? And then we've got to look at, great, so what do, they, what do you now need to deliver to your marketplace? Is it a different product line? Is it an adaption of your different product line? Or is it a different delivery method? Your marketing message, that's got to now change and adapt 
to the message that's in your customer's head, not the message that was there, it's the message that is there. So if we're thinking in that term, you're going to be so far ahead of everybody else, it's not funny. Like if you can think of it this way, if your lead, if let's say your lead pool is hard, and you know there are markets. I've got customers that are booming right now. Like this is, you know, and it sounds almost bad saying it, but the, this environment has enabled them to do more. You know, I have an exercise company, but now everyone's buying exercise equipment for home because they're not, you know, you can't go to a gym. So this has bolstered them. But then there's other people who have been smashed by it. So it, it's it's understanding where does your position sit in that marketplace? What does that look like for you? Then what do you? What's your best next step that you need to do to go forward? And then just act fast. Like speed is everything. More important than accuracy is speed, right? Why do you say that, Pete? Why do you say that speed is everything right now? People out there are asking for help, right? There's people out there. Let's talk about your industry, Scotty. Like there's people out here that are eating more, more sedentary right now, working from home. Um, you know, they've got every excuse not to exercise, got every excuse to eat poorly. They've got every excuse to, to, to really emotionally feel like crap. So they need what your services more than ever. Like I need you to step up and give me the first solution that's going to help me get off my ass and sit in front of a computer on my phone and do some exercise with you. Um, that's going to then make me feel better emotionally. It's going to have an impact on me as a parent, as a leader, or whatever I need to do in the world. So the market is asking for people to step up. We need more leaders in the world right now. So why shouldn't you be the first to do that? And the market is going to be more um, forgiving if it's not perfect. Because everyone understands there's no such thing as perfection. So it's better to be first and adapt. I mean, I remember when Steve Jobs first got on, on with the first iPhone 4S, his first iteration from iPhone 4, he got on stage, he couldn't get online. The casing they had around it was, was affecting in, in the connectivity. And it was, it was launching and he couldn't fucking connect. But they knew that, but they had to be first to market. They didn't have to be best to market. Because then the early adopters will be there, they'll then iterate and they fixed it and they won everyone over again. So do you see this as an opportunity, Pete? Like it's obviously, it's, you know, there's some, there's, some, there's some tragic stuff going on and I feel for the families that are experiencing the deaths and whatnot. But do you also see that there's a, an upside to this and do you also see the opportunity with a pivot in the industry to claim first to market and whatnot? But I think two things. I think one, we, we're living in a necessity economy. You have no choice. You have to move fast or you'll be moved out, right? Just by default, you just will. So we live in a necessity economy. It's, it's a necessity that you get to market quicker and faster. It's a necessity you understand what your market wants. It's a necessity you deliver that 60, 70, 80% of perfection and then fix it as you go because your market will be forgiving for you right now because they know you're working on it. They know it's not perfect. They're not expecting perfection. Um, so I think it's a necessity. And then, yeah, secondly, we, it is, it is people now want to be sold what they need. Uh, there's this fear of I'm taking advantage of the market right now. I'm like, you need to sell now more than ever, right? You need to be comfortable. The, the, the world needs money to circulate for the world to survive, right? So if you aren't selling me, Scotty, your online programs, right, the flow-on effect from that, the butterfly effect from that is it's fucking huge, right? So people need to be spending money. People need to spend money just to feel good. You know, the serotonin hit that you get just from buying. I mean, there's, in some statistics, online sales have gone up, 
right? Because people are wanting to feel good about themselves, whatever, whatever the product lines are. So the money needs well to circulate. People have a massive need. They're wanting to buy stuff. You're a nimkin poop if you don't get your product or service in front of a community that want to be fed what you have. As long as your messaging is talking to how they're feeling right now. Well said, Pete. I'm uh, I'm curious at the start of that because you went very uh, strategy, like you said, you're a strategist, you're not the strategist side thing from chess to all the uh, sport you play. But you said at the start, you said you need to get your headspace right so you can be in that mind frame to pivot, make decisions, market yourself, be first to market. What would you do if you're also? I've got friends in business in the fitness industry who are freaking out. They're scared they're going to lose their business and they're not even in the headspace to make a decision or take any action. How would you, if you're in there, if you're talking to them or giving them any advice, whether you're a business owner or not, how would you get into that good headspace so you can be smart, make good decisions, take action, lead your team? Mm. What would you do what would you suggest to get yourself into that headspace? Would you avoid the media completely, stop watching the news, or would you like? Do you have a routine you do, or how, how would you suggest these people get into that headspace to do the strategies they just suggested? Yeah, um, I, I think there's a couple of things that everyone must do that are not, I call it double NS, not negotiable standard. You've got to set your own double NSs, um, and I think the biggest one over everything right now is community more than anything you need to surround yourself with people who are doing what you want to do who are are acting the way that you want to act you know i think that's even first before get your health right like you're we we are tribal by nature as human beings it's in our dna right it's genetically how we've been where we've been how we've evolved and i think what the biggest flow and effect you have if i'm surrounding myself with a group of individuals that are um, exercising, uh, talking about what they can do, not what they can't do, talking about what they can control, not what they can't control. Uh, if they're pivoting, if they're iterating, if, if they're adapting, if I'm seeing, if that is what my world is, I'm going to become what my environment is. It's not st- survival of the fittest, it's survival. It's not survival of the strongest it's a, and the fittest, it's a survival of the, those that can adapt the quickest to their environment. It's Darwinian's theory, Right. So we need to understand those can adapt the quickest. So if you're around a group of people that are having success in business, are going to market quicker and faster, by default, you're going to be thinking and feeling that way. If you're around people who are outdoors and exercising, who aren't listening to the conspiracy theories and, the, and, and all the, the negative, you know, negative media is six times more likely to get traction than positive media. So that's where the media is going to go. Um, we don't, and I, I filter what we do and don't watch. Um, it's a great thing about online, right? You can choose what you want to read, don't want to read, what you do want to watch and don't want to watch. You know, I can get the stats. There's a, there's a great app right now. You can click on, get all the updates if you want to on WhatsApp. Um, you can find out what you want to work on. All I'm worried about is my community, the people that I serve, what's going on in their world and how can I fix them, right? And then I'm thinking about my second community, which is my family and what's going on in the world, how can I fix them? And they're the two worlds I'm looking after right now is my family world and my business world. My business world is my current clients and my potential new clients. Uh, my family world is my immediate family, and that's all I'm worried about right now. The rest, um, you know, I, I'm consuming what I need to consume. So the first thing is get yourself around a community, right? Whether it's an online community, um, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I run my sales accelerator four-week program, which is helping people learn how to build their IP and learn how to sell. Um, you know, literally zero people have asked for their money back or to stop because they know they need to learn to sell better now than ever. 
but my ability to communicate and help them and pivot them and change. So I've had to help them evolve their product lines, how they talk about it, how do they pitch it. Um, and it's they made sales now they would never have normally made if they didn't have this skill set. And all I'm getting feedback is I'm so grateful. They're hearing other people having success stories going, oh, my God, Mary did it. I need to get off my ass because I know Mary did it and she used this technique. You told them, I better implement quicker. When you're around other people implementing getting success, it drives you wanting to do more. If you're around people that are moping and, and whining and wallowing, then you're going to mope and whine and wallow. It's just how we are as human beings. So I think community is the first part you've got to be around. And then the second thing, you've got to, you've got to create structure for yourself. The reason why workplaces work for 90% of the population, it gives you structure. You've got to get up at six, you've got to have breakfast at seven, you've got to leave home at eight, you've got to go to an office place at nine, you have accountability, you have expectations, people you're accountable to. Most people can't work without structure, right? Though human beings actually crave structure, we work better with structure. So what's your routine that you have at home? You've got to create your routine. You just, you just have to. Like my son, he's six. When we give him structure and routine, he's the best child in the world. When we don't, he's ripping up the house. Like that's not him being a bad child. It's just him being a child, right? Um, it's just the fact of life, you know, and that was downstairs training. I'm onboarding a new staff member of ours. I was upstairs um, doing an ongoing training and he's downstairs. And if we didn't give him a structure of, you know, homeschool, home play, what to do, then he'd be whining and whinging and craving food because you eat when you're bored. When you're bored, you eat. Like, so you've got to, you've got to figure out what is your formula for success? How do you need to plan, plan your day? And you've got to be more organized to be more efficient. From being such a healthy, successful, you know, guy consistently over your time, and I think that that's that, that that's the key to things is how do you maintain success or keep growing, whatever it may be. As you see a lot of companies come up and they, you know, and they come down just as fast, or people or athletes or whatever it may be. What are the things that have really served you over time? Things that you've created into your structure. That you know, I mean, I'm sure your either morning routine is a classic one right now, but just in terms of your day-to-day structure and the way that you, you know, remain at such a high level, you know, mentally, emotionally, physically, what are the things that you've incorporated into your life or you've seen other successful entrepreneurs or whoever it may be, successful quote unquote people, that they that they that's almost like a mandatory that this is a must because this is what this is what it does. That the, that the normal person that's, you know, that's got a normal education, that spends the time in a normal family, uh, you know, that don't really have these conversations too often. Yeah. What are the kind of things that you find as, again, NS, NNS in terms of structure that would, because there's been things in my life that far out, they've absolutely changed the game and they've been so simple. Uh, just think really simple things like writing down, you know, gratitude lists or going for morning walks and, and, and five-minute meditations and, and greens and intermittent fasting, just these tiny things that I've incorporated into my life that have been so simple, but mm. game changers. What are the things that you've noticed in your life or other people's lives that, you know, that, some, that someone watching or listening now could incorporate into their life and you know that they would get a dramatic result from? Yeah, good. Um, there's, there's two parts to talk about this. The first part is I think the first, you've got to know yourself, Right. You just you have to have to know who you are. How do you do that? Mate, there's really only one way. (laughs) Just look in the mirror and just be fucking honest with yourself. Like you've just got to know. Like there's so many things I am not the perfect example for. 
right? I know what I suck at. I know what I need help with. I know without, you know, the strengths that Annette has that are my biggest weaknesses, right? You know, without her giving me a shake in them, she loves her health shakes that she has, um, all the, the kale and the vegetables and all the, the good stuff goes in there. I, I wouldn't make that stuff, right? She, she does, and that's the anchor and the rock that she plays for us in that capacity. She's much better at getting up in the morning, going for her walk than I am, right? You know, last week I've been getting up with her. We do stair runs, stair climb, like we go walk along the beach. Um, each, each time there's a lot of stairs to go to the beach, we go up and down, up and down. We did that on the weekend. We do that with Braxton. We, you know, it's for us, um, with, with getting Braxton involved, we just have to gamify everything, right? Uh, we make it a competition. He's the most competitive kid in the world. If it's, you say you want to do something, he'll say no, make a race out of it, he's in there. Like he just has to win. So you've got to know what works, what works best for you in, in how do you how do you operate? Whether you're talking health, wellness, um, business, you know, for example, last night, you know, Annette went to bed, she goes to bed a bit earlier than I do. And um, the last dance, you know, Michael Jordan, Chicago Bulls, 1997, it, it got launched on Netflix, right? And like most of the world, we're itching, or sports fans, we're itching to watch it. So when she went to bed, I started watching it. Now, what happens after about 9.30 at night? Your, your grilling kicks in and you get the sugar craves. And you, that's when I'll eat most of my crap is going to be after 9.30 at night, right? And I went to the fridge and I looked for stuff and there was nothing in the fridge. So I got the grapes and I munched on the grapes. So my first rule is I know myself, if there's shit in the house, it's going down, right? If, <laughs> it's going down. If there's a pack of chips, if it's a big pack of chips, I, I don't, I'm not a serving person. I don't pour into a bowl and eat. I'll demolish the whole packet. If it's a tub of ice cream, it's get, get the bucket, give me a spoon, get out of my way. So if it's not in the house, I won't eat it. So know yourself. I know if it's there, I'm going to eat bad. If it's not there, I'll eat the carrot. I'll have the grapes. Um, and that's what saved me last night. There was nothing in the house to eat that was bad. So what's your temptation to, to take it away? You know, the theory with, with, with objections in sales, right? It's Everyone says, how do I overcome this objection? I haven't taught how to overcome objections in over eight and a half years because what I will teach you is how not to get them rather than how to overcome them. So what do you need to do to eliminate the objection from coming up? So how can you eliminate the things that hold you back in your business world or your personal world so they're not there to distract you? So that's what I mean, kind of know yourself. What, what are the things that hold you back? Sometimes it's what you need to stop doing rather than what you need to start doing. And we always try to create new things to do and it takes more time. If you can just say no to more stuff, that's going to free you up. Just the no, getting rid of the crap will automatically catapult you forward. And it's got to be the simple things first rather than putting more things on your plate. Then you feel like you're failing more sometimes. Um, I know some very successful business people that just don't meditate. It's just not, they're just not that way inclined. But, you know, it's like spirituality or meditation. Meditation is there to serve a purpose, right? So there's a strategy I called, you have what I call um, task-based thinking, right? TBT, right? So TBT is I'm doing something because I've created a task to do it. The question I then ask is, though, has the task achieved the outcome? If the answer is no, the task is irrelevant. So often we are busy doing a lot, but not achieving a lot. So my philosophy is OBT. It's outcome-based thinking. Yep. Is what you're doing achieving the outcome? 
So everything I look at is, is this achieving my outcome? So if you don't need to meditate to get calmness in your mind, then you don't need to med- meditate. Is there to achieve an outcome? Is it clarity of thinking? Is it balance? Are you a Sorry? Do you meditate yourself? Very sporadically. Like we started meditating when, um, you know, seven years ago when Braxton was in a net stomach and we used to lay down at night, <laughs> quite personal, with spoon and we'd meditate. Um, and we, we crave that bonding and feeling. And that's when I really consciously started meditating in that capacity. And then we'd lay at night in bed and we'd meditate. Um, you know, Annette and I will lie in bed. Again, she's the instigator of most of this. She'll put on a, a meditation thing and we'll lie in bed and we'll meditate to sleep. Um, I, I need to get out into the sun. I will take my shirt off and I will sit in the sun and I just need five-minute hit. I'll close my eyes. I'll literally sit like this. Um, now, it's not a form. I don't do a mantra or a chant. I don't have anything I say, but just feeling I'm a very kinesthetic person. I'm, I'm, I'm the touchy, the feely. I'm the hugger. I'm the high-fiver, um, physical contact. So I need to feel a certain way. So I'll surround myself with what I need that makes me feel the way I need to feel. And sometimes that feeling I'll get from cuddling Braxton, from sitting out in the sun, um, working outside by the pool in the cabana uh, might be better for me. Um, I can sit outside my window here and, and, and just watch the kids playing in the street and that will feed my soul and I'm refreshed again. So it's, it's know what's, don't try to be what other people are, but find what works for you, but find it. So the key is what's my best next step? Start with something and if it works, great. If it doesn't, find something else but you've got to create structure. You've got to create routine. So health-wise, if it's in the house, I'm going to eat it. So don't put it there and I won't eat it. So be conscious of when is your strength, when are your weak spots. Business-wise, like if I need to create content, I create content after I have done, um, well, after I educate. So if I've done an advisory session with a client, I've just coached a whole lot of people. I've heard a whole lot of success stories. That's when I'm going to go and create content because I'm in content mind. I'm in batching mode. I'm in, I'm in um, creative mode. I'm in coaching mode, right? So I'm going to do the things, you know, I don't have, I don't have consistency of when I create content business wise. I look at my diary. If I've got a coaching session with my crew straight after that, I'll do content creation. So I'm in that mode of thinking about the best content. I've got my mojo's flowing, my conversations flowing, right? So know yourself, set structure and routine that makes you successful. Know thyself, be thyself. It's, um, yeah. I think that's a, a, that was said some years ago. <laughs> so, mate, you, you've obviously got a very good understanding of yourself. Where does that start? Say your brand, like you're really, you've been hit so hard, you hit threshold, you hit a massive low, you know, everything was going swimmingly for you before this, but now you've hit a low because of COVID, you know, whatever's happened to your business or your life, and you've really hit a dark spot. How do you? You now, where do you start to be able to pull yourself out of that, to start to, whether it's asking the right questions, how do you start to get to know yourself so you can, like just some, again, simple things that you wouldn't learn at school that you get from guys like yourself to get out of maybe a bit of a rut where it's like, you know, this fuck corona thing or corona's destroyed my business, corona's destroyed my life. Everyone, you know, I've heard a lot of people blaming corona for their their challenges. And look, there's a... There's a, there's a fairness to that, but at the same time, it's not going to serve you. So if you were to give me some advice, mate, because I'm down in the dumps and I really don't know what to do. My business has blown up. It's having an effect on my finances. It's now having an effect on my marriage, my relationship, all those sorts of things. 
where do I start? We, we, we're, going, we're going pretty deep here and there's a lot of models and frameworks. You know, I could coach someone through in that mindset. Uh, if I take, take an overarching philosophy around it, I'm a big fan of success leaves footprints, right? Um, everything's figure outable, but there's a, you've left a trail of success in your life uh, and the same mirror of any failures you've had. I, can, I know why I failed. There's a certain thing I did and I repeat as to why I always fail at whatever it is. So one of the first things I'd ask you, Scotty, is, okay, great. Take me back to a time, Scotty, when you were kicking ass. Can you think of that time when you were exceptional? And it could be in a relationship. It could be in sport. It could be in business. Like think of a time when your mojo was there, the ideas were flowing, you were motivated, you were the leader in your community, uh, you know, life was pretty good, you had a fresh ideas, you're top of your game. Think of that time. You go, oh, Pete, that was X, X many years ago. And then I'll go back and I'll say, great, so who was I back then? How was I acting? How was I thinking? What formulas did I have? What consistencies did I have? Uh, how was I organised? How was I planned? Who was, who was I and what was my environment back then? Because you've had success sometime in the past doing something. I don't care how small it is. And if you can recreate that environment for the now, you can recreate the successes. Success isn't a fluke, right? There's a formula behind every single success. You know, it's like public speaking, right? Like I, I grew up, um, you know, I put me on a stage in front of 5,000 people. I'm in my prime and I absolutely love it, right? But the majority of people, you know, Seinfeld did a skit about this, right? They talk about, you know, one of the biggest fears in the world and public speaking was higher than death. So Seinfeld goes, you know, you'd rather be in the, in the coffin than delivering the eulogy because <laughs> people are more scared of speaking now of death. Um, I, I never put my hand up in class at school in fear of judgment, uh, in fear of getting the answer wrong. Um, I was a captain at sport, but I always led through actions, not through rah-rah speeches. Um, I was never the confident person who would speak in public. It's not the person that pe people may know me for now. In 1998, I engaged on a mentor to teach me how to speak on stage, uh, how to communicate better with people. And I am trained to not look trained. For me, I had to, I had to understand what would success look like and then how do I replicate that? There's a formula around it. And I had to learn the formula. We have our own innate formulas that self-sabotage or create massive success. So the first thing I'll do is say, Scotty, tell me a time in the past when you've actually kicked ass in your life. There's got to be some stage in life. Okay, how are you acting? How are you thinking? What were you doing? Then how do we relate that to the scenario right now? And how do we change one little thing? If you're that down in the dumps, you just got to get moving put your shoes by your bed every morning, get up. First thing you do before you do anything is get up and go for a walk. Just do, do what's the best next step that you need to take. It's, you know, we always look what causes most procrastination is not the first door. It's the second and third and fourth door. We don't know about what's behind door two, three, and four. So the fear of the unknown is one of the greatest fears. So we create a negative illusion of what is behind door three and four. So we go, what's the point in moving if I'm going to create that negative? All you got to do is go, okay, what's the next step? You don't know what behind door two until you go through door one. So just take the first step. And this is why I think community is important. Like you need to surround yourself by those that can pull you up. And, you know, I talk a lot, of, I've been talking a lot recently about the difference between sympathy and empathy, right? So, Scotty, I can sympathise with you, but that means I'm getting into the well with you, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm playing the poor me song that you've been playing yourself. That doesn't serve you. 
I'm actually helping you wallow deeper and deeper into where you are. Whereas empathizing is understanding where you are, right? And then understanding what we need to do to go together somewhere. So I would say, look at yourself, go back and find out what's, what's a form that you've had where you have kicked ass before, start replicating that. And then secondly, put yourself around people who, who are doing the things that you want. Like community is the number one asset. We don't need social distancing. We need physical distancing, right? We need more social interaction. And there's a huge distinction between those two. Um, and I'm, just to keep it really simple, they're the two things I, I would really focus on is how can you re reconnect with what success looks like and then put yourself around people who are doing that. It's, it's the quickest and fastest way to actually get yourself moving. Completely agree with you, mate. There are two things that definitely changed my life. Um, I won't go into my story, but I certainly had a, a very low point in my life. And they're the two things that I, uh, I did. I got myself around, or it was actually virtually, to be fair. They weren't, I didn't have great people in my life at that time. Yep. But I jumped on YouTube and I started listening to everyone and anyone that, 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 that spoke in a positive tone and manner. And that really started to lift my spirit. And then that allowed me to then take the first step, as what you're talking about. And that was literally just getting out of getting out of the house and starting to move my body. So, And that's epic, mate. And, and I'm going to give you a warning. The minute you start to move forward, right, two things happen. One, the world conspires to help you, right? Because when you go through door one, you realize in the next room, there's two doors you can take. Or there's more help in that room, Right. When you, when you make the decision, we often try to find the answer before we've made the decision to act because we want the answer before we act, right? But most clarity comes after you take a decision. So once I decide I'm going to do this, the world conspires to help you. But you've got to move first for the answers to come. Clarity precedes, action precedes clarity is what I'm talking about here, Right? So you, you can't wait for the sign. You can't wait for something to happen and then act. You've got to act for the sign to come, right? You've got to put yourself in the positions to, for success to smack you in the face. So put yourself in the way of opportunity and opportunity will serve you. Secondly, whenever you do move forward, be ready for the obstacle. It's almost counterintuitive. If I get up from this table and I go to move, right? If I go to move, I'm going to walk into something. Because I'm moving, I'm going to walk into something. So when you will create more obstacles, because as you expect more of yourself, more obstacles will come. It's like the high jumper. You can never win a gold medal at the Olympics jumping the same height on the bar every single jump. If you jump two meters, the only way to win the gold medal is jump two meters and two. The only, win, only, only way to win the gold medal is jump two meters and four. You've got to keep raising the bar. But when you raise the bar, you create a gap. How do I now jump two meters in two? What's the training I need to do? What's the nutrition I need to have? Like, you don't know the answer. You're now creating a state of, of uncomfortableness. So just be aware that once you make a decision to move forward, you may achieve, hit another obstacle. When you're hitting obstacles, it means you're moving forward. It means you're achieving success. See it as a success metric, not a failure metric. And I'd love to, I mean, far out, we are pressed for time, but that <laughs> is something I would love to dive into. Maybe we'll have to do a part two here, Pete. Love to, man, love to. Chat. Louis, do you have anything that you, uh, you want to ask Pete before we wrap up? I love how practical you are. Like, you can get very much going out to this is step one, this is step two. Bit of a, this might be uh, how long is the piece of 
dream question, but I did a live video this morning relating to the fitness industry, just asking the question like, what happens once this is all over? Are people going to be flooding straight back into the gyms or are they going to enjoy their home setup and keep doing that? So my overall question is, do you think life will go back to, quote, normal once it's all done or are we now creating the new economy, the new world, the online world? Like, Do you think things will go back to how they were? Because I know business owners, I've got some friends that are just crossing fingers and waiting, waiting it out, just holding on until it goes back to normal and expecting to go back to normal. So I'm just curious from your you're in, like you've been in the fitness space and obviously heaps of different spaces in business. Will the world go back to how things were or are we facing a, this is a complete transformation of the world? Like, has this, has, is this a catalyst for the transformation of the world? Man, I'm, I'm really excited, you know, take away the health side of it, right? Business Pete, um, personal Pete, I'm really excited about the world, where the world is shifting to. Because I don't believe there's such a thing called normal. Normality creates average. So if you want an average life, you've got to believe in normal. No elite individual, elite families, and when I say elite, I mean families that have the best relationships, the best interaction, the best health, uh, no elite businesses, no elite athletes. Normal does not exist, right? So we are, we are, we're going into, if you like, the new normal. Right. In the fact, if you believe in normal, it means you believe in not changing. You believe in, in, in just being the same. And when you create the same, you become average. You become average, you go backwards by default because other people are overtaking you when you're plateauing. So what we need to understand now more than ever, we are more susceptible, right, as a race, and we need to be more flexible to change based on what's going to face us in the future. So I think what this is teaching us is we need to now that the most successful 2% of the world adapt quicker and evolve quicker than everyone else, which is why they're so much better than everyone else, right? They're always creating new product lines, right? New technology to bring to market to stay ahead of the curve. You know, you know Henry, Henry Ford said, if I asked the world what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse, right? Instead of creating the car. So we've got to be ahead of the game. So I think it's going to teach us that when we come back, when we get over the COVID stuff, that we need to constantly be evolving, constantly be adapting. We need to be doing new things and different things all the time to stay relevant, to stay ahead of the game. There will be a slingshot of those who crave normality, right? Who don't like change. So there will be a percentage of the world that will go, ah, and they'll get back complacent and go back to what they do. But I think there'll be a larger population in the fitness industry specific we're reaching more people that are exercising now. You know, when you can't have something, you want more of it. You know, it's funny. I, I shared a meme with, with my wife. It was a, someone put a comment on Facebook. It was just a meme going, now I know why dogs are so excited when you say walkies, right? Because when you can't walk, you want to go outside for a walk, right? Dogs are trapped in the backyard all day. When you say go for a walk, they just they wag, they wag their tail and they go crazy, sniffing and smelling everything. It's like, you know, when we go out, we want the same thing. So I think in the fitness industry specific, I think there's a wider population that realize they want to exercise, they need to exercise, whether that comes through a forum of, of the health and fitness traditional big box clubs, I think there's going to be a broader market who want more variety of training. And I think it's going to be a mixture of social contact um, at home, social contact in an environment of other people, right? Because we, we, we are tribal by nature. You know, we want to feel belonging, want to feel part of something. But if you can create belonging online, I think we've got a better opportunity and a broader marketplace to eat people that want to train on their own and people that want to train in a social environment. And I think it's a really exciting time specifically for the fitness industry uh, in the next 24 months. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. 
Unbelievable. Thank you, Peter Lakovich. Mate, I, uh, PLC works with you. I've worked with you in the past. You know, you're a genius at what you do, and, I, and I'm, a, I'm a bit of a critic, let's be fair. <laughs> and I think you are brilliant at what you do. If people were interested in learning, and they, uh, again, they need it more than ever right now, there's some people that do want to reach out to you. Where would they go? Where would they find you? Mate, the quickest way is, is if you want to chat, I, I'm, I'm chatting to more people now than I ever have before, helping as many people as I can. Just get me at sellmore, S-E-W-L-M-O-R-E, at peterlakovich.com.au, um, P-E-T-A-R. Spell my name a little bit different, so you should be able to remember it. It's P-E-T-A-R, um, L-A-C-K-O-V-I-C, or just find me on, on Insta or, or Facebook. Um, but just email me, guys. The best way, I, I like cutting through the red tape. If I can help you, I'd love to chat with you. Um, so just pop me an email. Yeah, he's a genuine man, ladies and gents. He's always helped me without asking anything in return. So, And he's been a, uh, a crucial part to our success at PLC. So thank you, Peter Lakovich. Really appreciate your time, mate. See you, you next time. Chris. Catch you soon. Take care. Thank, thank you, brother.